Hey y'all, this is episode 75 of Eco Chic, the podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura Diaz. I'm happy to have you. Welcome back if you're returning. Welcome if you're new. And I'm really excited about today's episode. I mean, I'm always excited about our episodes and I know I say this every week, but today's episode just like hits different because I feel like it covers so many topics. Today, I'm talking with Christina Vidal. A lot of you are probably familiar with her as Jet Set Christina. She is a luxury travel blogger, and she's also the founder of Watercolors Swim, which is actually what we are going to talk about. She visits super beautiful places around the world and has a really cool, unique perspective on giving travel tips because a lot of the time she is based in an area near other regions that she's giving tips about. So a lot of the time she's based in Bali, which is actually where she was when we were recording this episode. And it's cool because she gives this really like local feeling perspective to all of the travel destinations and tips that she gives. And she does a similar thing with Cartagena that she is based out of sometimes out of the year. And she talks about that during our conversation as well. But yeah, I love her as a travel blogger. I think that she puts together really eloquent, hands-on content. And I actually love reading travel blogs, so I really appreciate what she does. I want to take a step back and actually let you know like how Christina and I connected initially. Like I said, I love reading travel blogs and the peak of me like truly spending all of my time reading travel blogs was probably my freshman year of college. So I was sitting at lunch one day and my friend Annie came up to me and we were talking about travel blogs and we were just talking about how I was looking for more like remote Asian destinations for some reason. That's what I was, I've never been to Asia, but I'm like so interested in reading about it and reading about the locations. And my friend Annie was like, if you like travel blogs, you must know Christina Vidal and I was like oh my god no tell me about Christina Vidal and she was like she's Jet Set Christina she was actually this is funny she was in my sorority in college but we were not there at the same time like we didn't cross paths in college at any point but it was just interesting to like follow her because she was still working her full-time job at that point and once I started reading her content like I loved what she did and it was just really cool to see that progression like I probably started following her in like late 2014, early 2015, and this is being recorded September of 2019. So it's just been really cool to like follow someone for that amount of time and see them progress. And she has since visited so many incredible destinations around the world. She's really, really inspiring to me personally. And I am so excited to be talking to her today about her swimwear brand that she recently launched in partnership with Kenny Flowers, which is her fiance's resort wear brand, which has also been really cool to just see this progression of her as an individual, as a blogger, as someone who is just creating really beautiful content and really beautiful products now. So I'm excited to be sharing this conversation with you today. We touch on so many different topics because I originally wanted to talk to Christina over a really interesting article that she posted on her blog. I saw it on Instagram with a swipe up and then I later saw it on LinkedIn and I was like, I have to just talk about this. A design from Watercolors Swim, Christina's swimmer brand, has been stolen by a fast fashion brand. And we are talking all about that experience. But in order to kind of build up to the importance of shopping from a slower boutique brand, It has been really, really insightful to hear the design process and what it means to really create a swimsuit from start to finish and what that looks like for a small brand. So that was so interesting to me because I don't come from a fashion background. Christina doesn't come from a fashion background. And she also mentions that Kenny doesn't come from a fashion background. So it was just so interesting to hear the nitty gritty of like what it means to come out with your own swimwear brand and just any brand for that matter. And then she also discusses this experience she has where a fast fashion brand does steal one of her designs and what that really looks like for her. 
And we do even get into environmental impacts and talking about larger environmental concerns and just the linking that people have to their own waste and things like that. As I said, she's based in Bali at this point in the year. And it was just so interesting to hear her perspective on like how ingrained environmentalism is in her particular area in her region right now and what it means to me and how I see it in America. So it's been such a cool conversation to listen back to even because I feel like I learned so much from her and I learned so much even the second way around just thinking more about my understanding of what it means to do slow fashion. I want to share with y'all a piece from this blog post that she shared. I encourage you to go ahead and read the whole blog post, but I really want to share this particular section that like really touched me and got me thinking. She's talking about the movement towards environmentally conscious products and how fast fashion brands are claiming that they're going to be moving towards sustainable materials and things like that. And she starts talking about the hypocrisy or the way that they're kind of capitalizing on the environmental movement as a trend. And this portion of the blog post says... Keep in mind, being environmentally conscious means a whole lot more than being conscious about the amount of plastic they use. It's being conscious about how they're impacting their entire environment every day. Are they providing jobs and enhancing the lives of those who work for them? Do they create from a deep passion for their business and their product, feeling personally responsible for the things they create? And are they simultaneously providing something the market wants and needs at high quality, not just to make profit? End quote. I thought this was such a wonderful, encompassing understanding of what sustainability means in the fashion industry. It is so much more than shiny, eco, chic marketing campaigns. It matters who you are as a business and it matters what you're doing at every point in the supply chain. She talks about passion throughout the whole supply chain. And it was just really impactful to me as a consumer and as I understand fast fashion versus slow fashion. I also want to mention to y'all before I get into the conversation, we do make some good points about current like political standings in the fast fashion industry, and I would love to expand on them after our conversation. So I love to listen to Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. It's just a really well-produced, well-executed podcast. I love it so much. And at the end of his conversations with people, and after those interviews, there is a fact check portion of the podcast the last half an hour or so. And it is him and his team kind of working through stats that he gives or claims that he makes and expanding on them and even just perfecting them a little bit. So there are a couple of things that I want to expand on for this episode. So that's where the idea came from. Again, there is so much like goodness, so much information in this particular episode because it really applies to people who are interested in the fashion industry, people who are interested in waste, people who are interested in environmentalism abroad and environmentalism around the world and what that really looks like. So I'm so excited to be able to share this conversation today with you between myself and Christina Vidal of Jet Set Christina and Watercolors Swim. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app. It helps me so, so much. It's how people find out about the podcast and how we can just continue to bring you really high quality guests and really high quality episodes. You can also follow the podcast at EcoChic Podcast on Instagram. It's always in the show notes. And I will also have all of the links to Christina's pages as well. So you can read up more on this particular blog post that I originally read and was so inspired by and follow her and look at Watercolor Swim Online and all of that goodness. So with that, let's get into today's conversation with Christina Vidal of Jet Set Christina and Watercolors Swim. Christina, before we start talking today, can you introduce yourself to the audience, anyone who might not be familiar with you and a little bit of background? Hi guys, I'm Christina Vidal. I am the founder of Watercolors Swim and Jet Set Christina. 
I started as a luxury travel blogger and I've since turned that into my new swimwear brand. And I'm so excited to talk with Eco Chic today. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for just like chatting today and taking some time to tell me a little bit about Watercolors Swim. I'm really excited in this, like as a brand and what you're able to do with it. I would love to talk just kind of about how the design process kind of comes along yeah. and how you actually like create these really beautiful suits. Yeah, I mean, I find that really interesting too because I don't come from a background in design or fashion at all. Um, I really come from more the consumer background of I just love swimwear and I, you know, I grew up as a competitive swimmer actually. Like, so I, I was I was wearing one pieces racing all the time, and then you know, throughout like college, I had a bikini drawer of literally like a hundred swimsuits. I'm not even exaggerating. And I don't even know why I needed those in North Carolina at UNC, <laughs> but I just like would always bring my bikinis everywhere. Cause I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, spring break, I probably need eight. Like, so I just always loved swimwear. And then I became a travel blogger. And with that, I'm always in a swimsuit. I'm always being photographed in a swimsuit. So I'm always looking for suits that stand out, that fit really well, that, that look great in photos. Like, and just through that, I've had the opportunity to work with swimwear brands who want to promote their brands on Jet Set Christina and all of that. So I've really gotten kind of a full view of the swimwear industry from like the brand side of things, the consumer side of things. And I just wanted to start my own. <laughs> I was like, you know what, like some of these swimsuits that I'm wearing and that I'm promoting for another brand are like $200 swimsuits that should be you're expecting if you're spending that kind of money on a bikini, that it should be this like, God's gift to, <laughs> to the swimmer industry. And it's this amazing suit. And I would just like find flaws. Like, oh, I don't like the way this fits. Oh, I don't think this is like the most flattering, blah, blah, blah. And I just felt like I was constantly coming up with ways I would create this perfect swimsuit. And I was lucky enough that my fiance has a men's swimwear company. Well, it's actually, it's called Kenny Flowers and it started as men's like resort wear, like Hawaiian shirts and things like that. And then expanded into swimwear. And I got really jealous when that happened because I was like, okay, wait a minute. I want to do women's swimwear and I know nothing about it. I just know that I could make a better suit than half, you know, more than half the 90% of the brands out there that are currently like the top brands that people are buying. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of how I came into it. That didn't really get into the design process yet. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I think that's, that's an incredible like background to just see the transition from just being a consumer to being like, I can do this better. And yeah. you're so right. You were very lucky to have someone close to you that like knows the process and knows how to just like get yeah. into the space. So, so yeah. And, but he doesn't come from a fashion background either. Like both of us are kind of that scrappy entrepreneur that like just wants to do it. Like we're, we're just like, you know what, put me on the ground with a factory and I'll figure out how to make it. That's my personality. And I just, yeah, I, I, I'm very competitive. So like, I didn't like promoting other people's swimsuits when I was like, I could be making this. Like I could be doing this. Like, so that's how it started. And then, yeah, like I was very lucky to have Kenny kind of show me the ropes and he already knew the Columbia swimwear industry, which is where we manufacture our swimsuits. So he had kind of done the painstaking groundwork for me and I got to come in. There's already a factory that has already done the men's swimsuits. 
and I get to meet with them and be like, this is what, this is what I want to do next. Like the women's. And so basically the process there is I dream up designs of, okay, I'm imagining like this fit with this design, whatever it is, whether it's a design or a fit, I'm kind of just like dreaming it up in my head. And then I'm like putting it pen to paper and actually drawing it. Once again, I'm not an artist. <laughs> I'm like drawing these like not great drawings for the factory, but I'm, I'm showing them like what I have in mind. And then they basically tell you like, like what, what can really happen? Like, okay, that fit, like that could happen. We could make that happen. Maybe we'll need to do this here or whatever. And then I take it to more the print design artist. <laughs> so basically I'm like the dreamer, right? And then I have like the people who actually make it happen. <laughs> so I have a designer that I work with who she takes these ugly drawings that I'm doing and she's like, okay, like let's put this on an actual digital file and make it actually look great and beautiful and designed. <laughs> and so she does that. Then we take it back to the factory. Then Kenny and I are on the ground with the factory. Like we have to be on the ground for this part because it's like choosing the colors of each part of the suit is one of the most ridiculous processes you could ever imagine. Like there are like a hundred different aqua blues oh, and you're wow. like, okay, I want aqua blue in this design. And they show you this book of all these aqua blues and you have to pick like, it's crazy. So that is, that's probably my least favorite part of the process. But then once you have your colors chosen, then they print the design on fabric for you. And once again, it's kind of like, back to square one a lot of the times because once you put color on fabric it looks very different than it does like on a screen so sometimes they'll show you what that aqua blue looks like and you're like no that's just not that's not the aqua we want it like so now back to square one like, like okay so that's probably the hardest part and then once you do have those colors and the design kind of finalized then they'll put it on an actual suit. You'll get to see like what it looks like on the suit. Maybe you need to make the design 10% bigger, 10% smaller. Maybe, you know, like one of my designs is like the toucan. Um, there's like a toucan on the one piece. And, you know, we were definitely playing around with like the size of that toucan and where it hits on the hip and like how, how to make it look like really flattering and kind of like move with like a woman's silhouette. It's definitely a process. And so that's just the design part. That has nothing to do with the fit of the actual swimsuit. That's like the prints, the patterns, and the colors. When it comes to the actual fit, it was 10 rounds of samples of basically first I sat in the factory with this team of pattern makers and I explained like, this is what I want. Our first collection was just one, one piece. And I just wanted like the perfect one piece. I was like, this is what I have in mind. You know, here's my ugly drawing. Let's get a sample made. So they make a sample. I try it on. I hated it. <laughs> I was like, nope, this is not what I had in mind. It doesn't, it like rides up when I walk in it. The back is too high. It's pulling on my shoulders, whatever it is. Like the fit was not right. It's going in the right direction. It is like what I had in mind kind of, but it's not there yet. So then you do another round and then another round. Each time you're changing little things. And each time you change one little thing, it changes the whole fit of the whole suit. So it's really, really interesting. I think what I realized being there on the ground and going through all those steps was how many companies probably send one person on a two-day trip to Columbia to make swimsuits. And they are just kind of like in and out. And to me, like being the consumer, I was so much better able to 
think of this as like, I'm making a suit for myself. Like I'm not going to be able to be in and out of this factory with a subpar swimsuit. I'm putting my name behind this. Like this is my brand. And I feel like that passion was like, that needs to be there for a product to like get to the quality you want it to. And I just feel like some of these like bigger brands, they are just trying to crank out suits. They're definitely not going through all of those processes and giving it the, the attention it really needs. Wow. That is such an amazing description of like such a tedious process. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm also just imagining this factory. I would love for you to kind of like set the scene for me about like yeah. what this factory and these meetings look like. Cause I'm imagining like this book and you're living in Columbia and you're yeah. like, sit. I feel like this meeting of you and your 10 pattern makers, like you're all sitting on folding <laughs> chairs, like in an empty room in my head. Like no, what, no, is, no. what actually, does this feel like? Yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful factory. It is like super clean. It's really boutique. This factory, we liked them because they work with a lot of really famous swim brands. So they know what they're doing. Like they are on top of it. They know all the best fabrics. They know what they're doing and they're definitely like the best people to work with. But I will say that it is entirely 100% in Spanish. Like there's no English spoken in, in that factory. And like when I'm explaining to them what I want, I have to find a way to explain it in Spanish. I can speak, I can get by, but I'm definitely not fluent. Sometimes I definitely have to Google Translate. Another level of the process is the fabric. So, you know, we talked about colors, we talked about fit, but the actual fabric, you're putting that design on. And so often you'll make like four or five different one pieces in the exact, in the exact same design, but four different fabrics. And you'll see like how it feels like and what and, and the big part of that is like me seeing how it feels when it gets wet. I want people to be able to like wear this one piece all day, like playing beach volleyball, swimming in the ocean, snorkeling, like jumping off the side of a sailboat. Like I want people to be active and like be comfortable and be in the sun and like to stay in shape. You know, we all know the swimsuits that like feel like they're going to fall apart after one use and they're like riding up your butt when you're running on the beach and like all that stuff. So I was like trying to avoid all of that. So that means I have to like actually get in the water with every one of these suits and also wear them like multiple times. So I was like in my hotel swimming pool all the time in these suits, like trying to just swim in them, like whatever, like just be really active in them and see how they felt. Yeah, it was like kind of ridiculous. Sometimes I would like have to be in the factory early in the morning and I like didn't want to go all the way up to the pool or whatever. So I would just like hop in the shower with my one piece on to like see if it was see-through or not. Cause I was trying to find a white fabric that was not see-through. And it was like one of the most difficult things we did. And cause, cause actually once again, I was just so shocked. This, the factory works with these top of the line, you know, huge brands. And I was like, how do you not know a white fabric? that doesn't go see-through. Like, how do we not have one of those? And they literally said to me that no other brand cares. <laughs> they were like, you know, that, like, that is just not important to anyone else. I'm like, what? Like, how? How, does, how has no one of all your clients who are these top companies, how has no one like tried to find a solution for this? So we're trying all these different things. And like, finally we did find this awesome fabric that does not go see-through, but just in case I added like light padding to the white swimsuits. Cause I was like, I love white. I want, I want people to be able to wear these white swimsuits with like no care in the world of like your nips showing. <laughs> so, but anyways, back to the 
communicating with the factory, I was like kind of frustrated at this point, which I'll also say that like in Colombia, like things get pretty heated. Like with the fa- like like I love my factory to death and like we like every time we complete anything with them, we like love like getting them bottles of wine and like like they're they're amazing people. But Colombians in general, like they're pretty fiery. <laughs> and, and like I'm pretty fiery. So like when we couldn't find this white fabric, like it was it was getting heated in this meeting room. <laughs> and, and I was like trying to speak in Spanish and I was like, Necesitamos otra fabrica. And that does not mean we need another fabric. <laughs> that means we need another factory. Fabrica in Spanish means factory. Tela means fabric. So I literally was like almost yelling at them that we need another factory. <laughs> oh, <that's so> funny. <laughs> They're looking at me all like petrified. They're like, uh-oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, no, no. Tela, Tela, Tela. Like, it's fine. We love you guys. <laughs> but it was funny communication mishaps occasionally well I feel like that's I mean first of all that's hilarious but I also feel like that is such a testament to like how local you are attempting to be with like your sourcing of all of these different processes whether it is like the design or the fabric or any other like part of the production process like you are really like in there in the nitty-gritty like involved which I think is really really admirable when you talk about like huge brands who do just send someone two days. You're totally right. Like the more I think about it, there's no way that a huge brand is taking this kind of care of their suits. Yeah. And like the other thing is I bet they're sending people that aren't actually like the target market. You know, I'm not going to name any brands, but I would, I would very, it's very hard for me to believe that a brand is sending down someone who also like is going to be the one wearing the suit, you know? Right. Like, like maybe a model, but like not like they're not sending down their target market. I'm selling the girls just like me. I feel like I'm the target market. So I'm like, I want to be the one that's like making all these decisions. I think that that's such a good point because you're totally right. Like, you know, your audience well enough to know what they care about, like not having a see-through swimsuit because you're totally right. Like I, I can't tell you that I've ever owned a white swimsuit that I've like genuinely enjoyed being in all day because I spent yeah. like I spent half of the time paranoid that my nips yeah. are showing. Yeah, that's like exactly what I wanted to avoid. And that's why like even though this fabric isn't see-through, like I just added the light padding to the white suits because I'm like, yeah, you just don't want people like worried. And also people love padding. I've found. <laughs> like like a lot of girls have like asked for it to be in like more suits for the next collection, which I think is interesting. Interesting. I'm, I'm learning things every every day. I learn things about like what people want, like what people are looking for. Everyone that DMs me about swimsuits, like I take all of their input and I'm like putting it toward the next collection. I think that that's also like a really cool point because you do have like such a clear connection with your consumer. Like people who are buying your swimsuits can give you feedback directly and say like, this is what I want. This is what I enjoyed. This is where I think you should go. And I think that like really speaks to the value of a small brand and like believing in an entrepreneur and like buying into the idea that you can have like really good quality, beautiful swimsuits made by a very small brand. You know what I mean? Like I, again, in comparison to those larger fashion brands that we were just talking about. Right. Totally. Totally. Yes. So on that topic, I would love to like switch gears a little bit. When we talk about larger fashion brands, a story that I was like so excited to talk about today, I would love to kind of get some background from you and hear about this instant that you had 
where you saw that a fast fashion brand stole or recreated one of your designs. I would love to just kind of like hear about your thought process and like what that experience was like. Really wild. You know, I'm, I'm writing this high of, you know, my new brand. It's, it's been out for three months. So we launched in the, like in like February, March time. So we're now getting into like right before summer. And I'm like, oh, like things are going so well. The feedback has been insane. Like people are just loving the suits. I'm, I'm feeling so good because as any entrepreneur will tell you, like until you've actually launched, like you're pretty freaked out the whole time. Like, I'm like, oh, everyone's going to return everything. Like, it's like, I'm going to put these out there and everyone's going to hate them. Like, you know, you just definitely doubt yourself all the time. And so at this point, we're like three months into launch and it is going amazingly. Like I am just, yeah, I'm on a high. And I get this message on Instagram from someone who follows me that was literally shopping online and saw basically what she thought was exactly my suit on Zara's website. And, you know, it's like $39, like terrible quality look, even looks online, terrible quality. Like, but it definitely was like a copy of my suit. And so she sends it to me. I'm like in shock. So I go look it up. Like it is like crazy. It is, it's our toucan suit. So an idea that I totally just like came up with myself to like put this toucan, like I said, like earlier, like kind of like on the the hip of a one piece, it's kind of like a loud, fun, vibrant design. And I just like loved the idea of it that we use a toucan that Kenny had already designed for men. So like he had these men's swim trunks that had toucans on them. So we like kind of repurposed that same toucan that we had designed. It was like, Literally, they used a different toucan, but they put like they like designed one themselves because like, they have to they have to make just enough changes that you can't sue them. So like they used a slightly different toucan, but they put it in the exact same position. They used almost the exact same color of the suit, and they had the audacity to literally copy our model. Like the like they basically you'll you'll have to see it to like believe it but it's like basically our photo shoot of the suit I'm wearing these white sunglasses with the suit and I'm kind of like making these certain motions and faces and their model was doing the exact same thing with white sunglasses on it was like almost a slap in the face like it was like yeah we we copied you and we're gonna like show it off like and like rub it in your face because we're gonna look exactly like your photo it was weird. So that happened. And, you know, you go through like total shock. You know, I'm starting to like tell friends and family and everyone's like, you know, half the people are pissed. Half the people are like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, like Zara is like copying you. Like that's crazy. It is a compliment, but like it more just made me like so mad because I remember I was like in Europe this summer and I cannot tell you how many people are walking around the streets of Europe with a Zara bag. Like it is, did you know that the guy that, that runs Zara, like the CEO is the richest man in the world? Like he's wow. the richest man in the world, like, or, or was a couple years ago, whenever I read that, like this company Zara is just raking in the money. And I Googled it and they do this to 
every designer, like, like every single one of their designs is a copy. There's no creativity there. That's why they're able to make it so cheap. And it's sickening. Like it's, to me, it was just like, wow, like I, as a consumer, I have shopped at Zara. I've bought things from Zara. I think Zara makes really cute clothes because they're copies apparently, but I had no idea. And so as a consumer, I was so sickened by it because I know how many girls are out there shopping at Zara with no idea that they're supporting that. And it took me a while, but I did like end up writing like an article about it on my blog, jetsetchristina.com. And I like just, I, I opened up about it because I was like, look, like people need to know what's going on like with retail right now. Like fast fashion, there is a reason why it's fast and why it's cheap. Like they are completely ripping off other creatives and artists and it's, it's everywhere. If you Google Zara rips off brands or Zara steals designs, like you're going to find all kinds of stories. There's nothing you can do about it. Like there's nothing that I, like, I would never pursue legal action against a Zara. Like that's like, that's just suicide for me. Like that's, that's, that would be so expensive. You're not going to get anywhere. Everything I read online, like people have tried and they don't get anywhere because once again, like they, they change subtle things. They made their one piece, one shoulder versus two. Like it, it, you know, they change just enough that even though it's completely ripping you off, it's not, you know? So I just felt like the world does not know what's going on with these big brands. Yeah. I'm not usually like the type to be like, Oh yeah. Like fight the man, like, like, like independent brands, like over the like corporate, like I'm not that person, but when it happened to me, I became that person. <laughs> like I can't, I just can't believe how like ignorant I was as a consumer. I think that, Honestly, like I'm also super ignorant as a consumer. Like the more I became aware of fast fashion, probably in the last like two years, really like since I started caring about like climate action and just anything along those lines, I was like, wow, fast fashion is literally terrible. Um, I believe the statistic is that the fashion industry is the second most polluting industry after oil, which is really wild to think about. So that's just thinking about like textile waste and like that process. But also just the idea that people like buy something, they wear it two or three times after they've like purchased it super cheap from Forever 21 and they throw it in a landfill. Like it's surprisingly not that common to like donate or thrift, which like just in the fast fashion world, like if you're buying that large quantity of like items, Mm -hmm. you have no incentive to like do something with it besides just like wear it once and throw it away, which also makes sense as to like why people are so invested in these companies that make super, super inexpensive clothing. It but just kind of like, apart. that's why people are throwing them away is because they get like holes in them and they're falling apart or they become see-through or they, you know, it's like bad quality. You're totally right. Because I'm also trying to think of like, I'm going back to the idea that like you were there on the ground and like making sure these swimsuits were as, as great as they could possibly be before going yeah. out. And if you don't have that kind of like incentive in your consumer, if you are a major label, you have no incentive to like make sure that these clothes are top quality. No. No. And if it doesn't like, like to me, like the difference of a suit selling, basically selling, like it meaning it fits well on the people that are buying it and they're not returning it. So like the difference of a successful suit in my book could have come down to literally like a fifth of an inch of a design here or there or whatever. Like it was, it was so important to me to get this right versus like a Zara. If that suit doesn't sell for them, like 
move on with their life. They're going to, they have five bajillion other products. Like, you know, so they don't care about that, that level of detail. I guess also on the idea of like level of detail, I'm just thinking because I, I heard the story, like the day that we're talking today, um, the story came out that forever 21 might be filing for bankruptcy. And I thought that was so interesting because I just started thinking about, I don't think that they've like officially done it. I think they've just come out and like said that they are thinking about doing it or looking into bankruptcy or whatever. And I was just thinking about like the level of the shininess of a forever 21. Like you go into any American mall and there is a giant three story store that's interested in selling you like a $7 t-shirt. And why is that? And like, how can they upkeep that? And it just like really got me thinking about like what people believe to be fashion and like what we think is like a really good quality store or a quality company that we're putting our dollars into. And I mean, I don't like by no means am I an expert on this bankruptcy like issue. I just literally like read a headline and a couple of like lines. I heard about it on a podcast and I was just like, oh, what could this possibly be? But it just like sent me all day. I've been thinking about like, how is it that people just like trust so blindly these big brands? I know. Like, what's I, going on here? Luckily, luckily, I think we are moving away from that. Like, I think that, I mean, everyone I know would so much rather pay more money for a higher quality piece of clothing, swimsuit, meal, literally anything. Like, we would rather have quality over something cheap. That, that being said, we're all young professionals with good jobs and we all like, you know, make enough money that we can afford quality so that you do have to think that like, there's a huge amount of that population that they, they, they can't afford to care about the environment and about what the repercussions of their purchase, their $7 shirt purchase from forever 21 means. And so I think that's the big gap right now that we have to figure out is like, definitely like the drivers of this eco chic movement. If you can afford to pay more for a better quality, better, you know, like a business to support a business that actually is supporting their environment and doing good in their environment, then please do it. (laughs) And, but I do think there's, there's that gap where there's still so much of the population that can't afford to make that decision. I think that's such a good point because yes, like the privilege around this environmental movement is also really, really shocking. Like I think about it a lot where I like to advocate for shopping as package free as possible when it comes to groceries. So it's just like choosing, you know, like loose oats and like bringing them home in a bag or whatever it may be. But I've also like come to terms with the idea that like, I'm very privileged in like having these stores in my area. Like I don't have to drive insanely far to like find a store where I can buy those oats package free or whatever. And even just having the time during the day to like go to these grocery stores and like take my time and come home and like I have the time to like put everything into jars and you know, so it's like a whole situation. And like that is so inherently privileged. And then also, yeah, like you said, the idea of like buying into quality as opposed to quantity, it's definitely a movement. And I think it's getting traction. And I think that's like why we are seeing all of these conversations now around like leaving fast fashion and whatever it may be like people are waking up and like people are realizing it but it's not necessarily everyone and it's not and it's like it's not necessarily everyone it's not the majority it's like people who have voices and who are those that are not speaking up like on behalf of fast fashion yeah totally I mean I think we're we're moving in the right direction and if the leaders can keep talking about it and keep you know promoting make good decision making then like we'll get there I mean so I 
based in Bali some of the year where Kenny Flowers manufactures shirts. So we're here a lot of the time in Bali and like plastic bags are completely outlawed in Bali. Like locals, tourists, everyone, like there's no plastic bags anymore, anywhere in Bali, which I think is amazing. And I'm like, how has that like not, how is that happening on this little island in Asia, but not in like America? Like it's, it's pretty crazy, but yeah, like you, you couldn't find plastic straw in Bali if you tried. Like, like everyone here is so aware of the environment and of everything they're doing to protect this beautiful paradise we all live in. Like, so I think when it's a little closer to home to you, like if you're living on this island and you don't want to see trash on the island, like, like I think when it's a little closer to home, people are, they're better able to make those little decisions every day. But when, you know, I don't know, in the U.S. it's so different. Oh, you're totally right. I was actually, I was thinking about this earlier today. I was talking to someone about um, landfills and he was just like casually talking about something like really in the weeds about landfills, like and how landfills operate. And I was just like, yeah, people are waking up to mm-hmm. the fact that there's like landfills in their backyards. They don't want like waste incinerators in their, you know, in their neighborhoods or whatever. And people like don't want to see their trash or people totally. don't really feel like they have a responsibility to like hold on to something for its whole lifetime. Like the product lifetime, it happens like before you've consumed whatever it may be. And like, once you throw it away, like you're also responsible for that. And like, people don't like to have that connection to like items and the idea of like a disposable society in a sense, you know, like whether it is like food products are really easy to think about, you know, like you put something in the trash and like, it still has to go somewhere, but even, yeah, like a shirt or I'm thinking about like moving out. Like this is kind of a time of year where people are moving in and out of apartments and school and whatever. And the furniture and like all of the waste that goes along with just like not planning well, or, you know, like if you order something online and all of the packaging and it's crazy, like it's just, it comes down to like, real like it comes down to societal norms at the end of the day I think which is kind of wild totally I'm loving more more often I'm seeing on you know on websites that I shop like the ability to get package list orders I I think it was most recently on Glossier I saw that like it was like would you like to receive your package like without the, the pouch that it normally comes in without like basically like a less packaged item and I was like yeah absolutely oh my god that's great like yeah. So I think that's becoming a little bit more of a trend. It's definitely something that like we're super aware of when it comes to like packaging the swimsuits. Like it was actually our factory that brought to us this like recycled plastic pouch. Like it's like basically like from recycled bottles or yeah, I don't know the exact science behind it, but they were like, this is an eco-friendly option to package your swimsuits versus like normally they'd come in plastic. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, can we make it like a pouch? Like, cause once again, Glossier, who I shop, those pouches, like I do reuse them for everything. Like I put my makeup in it. I put my toiletries in it. Like you could put your swimsuit in if it's wet, like whatever. So we made like our like from recycled plastic pouch that the suits now come in and they're like, it has a zipper. So you can like then reuse it for your makeup, your toiletries, like your wet swimsuit, whatever it is. So I, I love that. That's so innovative. Oh my God. I love that yeah. so much because you're so right. I do see those glossy pouches everywhere. Like it's yeah. really convenient. But they are plastic. Yeah, they like, are plastic. You're at least reusing it. Yeah. But you've like kind of gone to the source and you've like made it even better. Like it makes so much more yeah. sense. Take something like a material that they already had and they were presenting to you and they were like. And that goes back to basically like choosing the right factory. They understood our passion 
from the beginning of like doing this at a high quality sustainably as we can and they brought that to us like so it's like like you want to make sure that in retail like your passion is like being spread throughout the supply chain like and the fact that like our factory is like so on board to make those right decisions as well i think it just makes all the difference I hope you loved that conversation between Christina Vidal and myself. I am again just so excited to like go out with this newfound knowledge. I felt like I learned so much from talking with her and I hope y'all found some value in whatever portion of that conversation really applies to you. It just really expanded my understanding of a lot of different things in the fashion industry. So again, I hope it was really helpful for y'all and you enjoyed it. And I want to go ahead and expand on a couple of topics that we did touch on. So Christina mentioned that the owner of Zara is the richest man in the world. Or I believe she said he was the richest man in the world whenever it was that she like looked at a particular article. And I want to go ahead and kind of make some clarification on that. So the owner of Zara is a man named Amancio Ortega. He is a Spanish billionaire businessman, according to Wikipedia. He has a net worth of $70 billion and he is the second wealthiest person in Europe. He is the sixth wealthiest person in the entire world. So this is really, really powerful, especially because I was like, okay, if this Amancio Ortega is the second wealthiest person in Europe, who's number one and number one wealthiest person in Europe, again, as of this Wikipedia update, is Bernard Arnault, who I did not know about, but I looked him up and sure enough, Bernard Arnault is an art collector and the chief executive of a Louis Vuitton. So I just thought that was so interesting because this guy who is running Louis Vuitton and this guy who is running Zara, they are both almost equal in the amount of wealth that they have. And I just thought that was crazy to think about the amount of money that's flowing through fast fashion being comparable to the amount of money that's flowing through luxury goods. So that was really wild. Hope you enjoyed that fun fact. Secondly, I want to clarify on the claim that I made that Forever 21 is filing for bankruptcy. So about two weeks ago, Bloomberg came out with a report saying that Forever 21 is preparing to file for chapter 11 bankruptcy. And this does not mean that Forever 21 is shutting down completely. This actually would just allow them to restructure their debts. And then I looked into it a little bit further. This Bloomberg report does say that about 500 US locations are likely closing or downsizing in the next coming months. So that's gonna be an interesting thing to kind of just watch out for if you're in the US shopping at Forever 21. And then I kind of wanted to throw in a random fact that I thought was really interesting, a current event, not necessarily a fact, but the idea that Forever 21 is continuing to steal from creatives. So on that same week, Ariana Grande actually has sued Forever 21 for hiring a look-alike model in one of their ad campaigns. Ariana Grande is suing Forever 21 for $10 million. It is actually crazy to look at this ad campaign and think that this is not something her team approved of. It's this photo of a model, like high ponytail, super, super long. And she like very clearly looks like Ariana Grande. She is wearing these like pom-pom panda headband thing that are clearly a ripoff of Ariana Grande's Seven Rings music video. Like the whole ad is purpley and the caption says, gee, thanks, just bought it. I actually heard on the Betches Sup podcast, one of my favorite like political comedy podcasts almost, that there was actually a conversation between Ariana Grande's team and Forever 21 
offering her a campaign with Forever 21. And I guess the equivalent would have been this $10 million that she is suing for. So I don't have like the nitty gritty of this lawsuit, but I think it's really interesting just to see that there is one really large artist that has the power to take on Forever 21. After thinking about Christina saying that there are plenty of other small designers that have this happen to them, that Forever 21 just steals designs, steals ideas, and no one can really take them on because they are such a giant. And what can a small brand really do to take on Forever 21? Or like Christina said, like to take on a Zara, is that even possible? So I just thought that was a really interesting current event to throw in there as well for your enjoyment to just kind of like pique your interest a little bit in what's going on with fast fashion. With that, I encourage you to follow Eco Chic Podcast on Instagram. My personal page is also always linked in the show notes. It's Lori E. Diaz. And I will have all of Christina's links also in the show notes. So she is at Jet Set Christina, C-H Christina on Instagram, as well as online jetsetchristina.com, watercolorsswim.com also is where you can find the pieces that we talk about. And she just announced that her next collection is going to be a collection of bikinis, which is really exciting. So she mentioned that her first collection was one pieces and now this is bikinis. So it's really like something for everyone, really exciting. So with that, I hope you had a great time today hanging out with us. I'll talk to you really, really soon. Have an awesome day.